0: Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know at impact at Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org. Click on the Give link and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, In God We Trust. In this series, we will discover the blessings of God when we align our hearts with His. Welcome. Hello. Hey, glad that you're here this weekend on the way in. They hand the notes out. If you'd like to get the notes out in just a second, we'll jump into the message. While you do that, we welcome all of our campuses, uh, not only just the four physical locations, but also our online campus. Welcome all of the folks that are listening this weekend and even the next couple of weeks. However you join JFC, we're glad that you did. We really do welcome you this week. Let me just begin by asking, can you see me while I'm sitting up? (laughs) How many of you uh, have ever seen any of the despicable me? Uh, I feel like a minion right now. That's totally, I walked in here and I thought we look like minions. That's, that's what the deal, if I had a pair of goggles, it would just be uh, absolutely perfect. Listen, um, if you haven't participated in our life day, we talked about um, the, uh, the run, but it's also an entire um, uh, church get together. Very, very uh, rarely are we able to bring our entire church together. We've just chosen to do campuses, which means we don't have one physical location. We can put everybody at at one time. So there's only a few times a year where we even are able in one or two services to bring people together. We rent out um, you know, the, the stadium over by Redstone Bring everybody together there, and it's a chance really to do something cool, and I want to encourage you, um, if you uh, haven't marked your calendar yet, do it. It really is fun. It's more than just a run. It's an entire get-together, things for the kids, and we'll talk more about that uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So we start a new series today. It's called In God We Trust, Finances and Life. We're going to talk about a lot of different things with this, a lot of different things that I think God has with us. I'm really excited to teach this. We've done a lot of studying with this, uh, had a lot of input from different pastors that uh, we feel teach this well and teach it very balanced and teach it very truthfully. And I think that you will, um, you'll enjoy what we'll do over the next few weeks. Uh, this week, at the transition point right there in your notes, what we're going to talk about is the heart. It's all about the heart. Anytime you talk about life and you talk about finances and you talk about just the whole picture of what it's supposed to look like, you always have to begin with the heart. And I think probably the message that if, if there are any one message that I've taught in 17 years Over and over and over again, it would probably be about the heart. I just believe so much that this is where everything in life flows from. Proverbs chapter 4 says, above all else, guard your heart because from your heart comes your life story. Can you agree with that statement right there? It's so true. A good condition of your heart leads to good things in life. Even if it's just the way that you see it, the way you respond to it, it just seems like it causes so much of, of what God wants to happen for us to happen when our heart is bad. Tell me that's not true too. We can't even hear the voice of God when our heart gets bad. God God himself could be trying to get our attention. When the heart is bad, we just don't see things. We don't hear things. We don't experience things. So I really think as we teach this, it really is going to be an important message. I would encourage you with one last thing uh, before we dive into the scripture right here. Our app, uh, you can find it both on the Google platform and the Apple platform. It's just under JFC. You would just go to whatever platform you have with your phone, whatever supports it. Type in JFC. If you don't have our app, we're gonna go back to using it in the next few weeks. And here's how, here's how we'll... we'll um, We'll use the benefit of the app. We'll send out once or twice during the week uh, a question that we dealt with. We'll kind of take the message from the previous weekend and put it into the form where during the week sometime we can cause you to think about it. Cause you to have to experience what is God saying to me about this right now. You recognize that when we teach and when we learn and when we, whenever we dive into what God has to say to us, we never want just to experience the weekend. We want to take it in all of our lives, right? Right. So the app is designed then to help you think about that. So if you don't have it, uh, let me encourage you one more time. It's free. Get the app. I think you'll see the benefit of it this week. So uh, All About the Heart, Luke chapter 6, uh, 37 through 38. Let me just point this out before we, before we read it. Probably... Um, probably the most uh, used and maybe overused. I don't know if that's, um, if that's possible in Scripture, but at least when it comes to the subject of finances, and in particular when it comes to the idea of giving, this is probably the most overused Scripture that I think uh, pastors go to. And uh, rather than teach the entire context of it, they always pull one Scripture out of it. I'll read the whole thing to you and see if you can guess which Scripture they pull out of it. So Jesus begins, um, Do not judge. Do not judge. And you will not be judged, do not condemn, and you will not be condemned, forgive, and you will be forgiven. And then it sort of just changes pace and it goes this way, give, and it will be given to you. And uh, it begins, uh, or it it continues, uh, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. And then he goes back to the idea, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured uh, to you. So before I go into the overall, can, can you pick out the one verse in there that is usually taught when it comes to giving? Which one is it? Give. give. Yeah, I mean, it's not a trick. It's an actual, like, okay, I get So it, it begins with, in 38, I believe it is, it's 638. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, press down, shake together, running over. And I think that most of the time that's used with the idea, uh, almost like, if, if you give this, God will do this. If you give one, God will give ten, because God always gives more than what we give, and so so much is just taught automatically: give to get, give to get, give to get. And I'm not sure that when it comes to the idea of where our heart is at, to be truthful, I don't think that God's in heaven going, boy, I hope my people get the concept of getting. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure He wants us to understand the concept of giving. Yeah. Do, do you understand what I just said? And, and I think that so many times, what pastors do, um, they take this verse and they actually try to make it say something that I don't think God. I, I don't think God's ambition behind our heart being in the right place is to get stuff. In fact, I would say that if we're just out to get stuff, our heart's probably not in the right place. Do you agree with that? Yes. And, and I think it funny how we can take scripture and make it say something that God never intended for it to say. Now, the reason that I use all of these, um, the, the entire uh, process of looking at this, is Jesus starts with the idea: do not judge. And, and I, I would just hope that you would be able to agree with me that the very first part of what Christ teaches before he even hits give, he's teaching pay attention to what's happening in your heart. Yes or no, judgment comes from the heart. You, do you agree with that? It, it, it begins in the heart. Uh, Jesus said that evil thoughts come from the heart, that words that we speak come from. Everything comes from the heart. So even when he begins to teach on the very process of of where uh, generosity comes from and giving, he begins always teaching about the heart first. And it's just so funny to me that most pastors, when they teach this, most people that teach about finances ignore the idea of the heart and they just go right to teaching on a greed issue in people's lives. Give to get, give to get. And again, I just don't think God's sitting in heaven hoping, "I I hope my people get the get principle. I think he's sitting up there hoping that they get the heart principle, that they get this right. So now what I want you to do, uh, we'll come back to the scripture when we get towards the end of this message. And I'll actually pull some things out of it before and right in the middle of it. that I think I can teach some really cool things to you and how God uses the scripture in our life. But I'm going to go all the way back to the Old Testament to teach on the idea of your heart being in the right place when it comes to finances. So we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, Deuteronomy. We're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy. And I always just kind of joke with this, can anything good come from the book of Deuteronomy? Yes, there's lots of good things that can come from the book of Deuteronomy. So I'm going to show you that the condition of your heart is everything. It determines everything when it comes to this issue. So I want to give you four ways to develop the heart God wants in you. Four ways to develop the heart that God wants in us when it comes to this issue. Uh, This is Deuteronomy chapter 15. And I, I taught even for Easter, uh, and even the week before, I touched on the idea of the time of Jubilee. And this deals with that issue right there and how it works. So let me, uh, let me begin by reading Deuteronomy 15, we'll begin in verse 7, and uh, it, it starts this way. Uh, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any, within any of the gates of your land which the Lord your God is giving you, and it gives instructions, you shall not harden your what? Okay, so notice that it comes before he even gets into what this is about. He just he, he, If there's any poor brethren, anyone, uh, Jesus asks, who is our neighbor, who is our brother, who is our sister? And, and the answer is not the person that lives next door to me. It's all that we see. Do you agree with that? It's all that we come in contact with. So here, here from the Old Testament, we have, we have the Father teaching the very idea. If there's any poor brethren among you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need whatever he needs. Whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Point back to the heart, yes or no? So he's actually talking about what we do with finances But he gets into the idea, so beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, here's the thought, the seventh year, the year of release, the year of Jubilee is at hand. Now remember what happened in the seventh year is that every seventh year, it was a time of release. Uh, Here's a principle, back in the 30s, you remember the Dust Bowl, anybody remember that from history? I don't think many of us lived through that, but most of us remember it from history, correct? Tough crowd. All right, so the Dust Bowl happened. Uh, agriculture had gotten to the point where they were planting more and more and more and there was a principle from the Bible that came with the year of Jubilee and the seventh year, here's what you were to do, it was a year of rest. They would let the land rest for an entire year so that it would replenish itself so that they could replant again. And what we did in the 30s, the 20s and the 30s, was that we never let the land rest. We kept taking all the nutrients out of it. Eventually it became a dust So when the wind blew Right, The right circumstances happened, you couldn't plant anything, and the dust just blew. And it was, a, it was a, a, a nightmare. And they ignored a principle from the Bible, was that every seven years, there needed to be a year of rest. It's true with the land, and it's true with... How many of you would love to have a year of rest from just having to pay debt all the time? Yeah. What, what did you just love that? How wonderful would that be? And not even bad debt. What if you're just paying a mortgage? To, wouldn't you love in the seventh year to just have a year of rest to let everything recoup again? How good would that be? So so let me tell you, some principles from the Old Testament are really powerful principles. And here we have this very idea where God is teaching, okay, so an evil thought that would get in your heart would be this. You have someone who doesn't have, who is asking you to give it to them, and you recognize that the seventh year is coming, and in the seventh year, everyone was released from the debt that they have. So what he's teaching is, if you're being asked to give... And you realize that the seventh year is coming and they're not going to have to pay you back. Don't let an evil thought enter your heart that says, I'm not going to help because I know I can't get back what I put in. So, do you see that right here? So, the year, so, so, so don't let an evil thought enter your heart saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and, and your eye... Uh, being evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And look at this part. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it become a sin among you. What's the, the sin is selfishness. The sin, the thing that enters our heart when it comes to this issue, it always begins with the heart. The thing that enters the heart is the idea of, hey man, wait, wait, this doesn't work for me or this isn't good for me or, or this. And here's what God says. That selfishness can be a sin named among people. It can be a thing that they become known for or that we become known for when we let an evil thought, like, I, I, I can't give it because it's not going to work out for me. What's in it for me? I, I'm not going to receive back. I'm not going to, this is not a good deal. God is saying this is, this is something that should not be in your heart. It should never even enter into your heart. Don't let it be named amongst you that, that selfishness is there. So I wrote in my notes, uh, not your notes, this thought right here. Why did God, look at the principle here. Why did God even create giving? You ever ever ask, why giving? Why that issue? And I would just say to you, here's what it is. All of us, say that with me, all of us. Look at the person next to you and go, you. Okay, so we're talking to you. Here's the thought. All of us deal with selfishness, yes or no? And you don't learn it, you're born with it, I can prove it. If you have a child, one of the first words they learn when they learn to talk is mine. Yes or no? Mine. And what do they say? You come into a room, you've got two siblings, they're playing with each other, and one takes the to- What's the other one say? Mine. And you, you hear that so often, here's what you say. Just give it to them. I've had it. It's not yours anymore. So it, we, it's an inbred issue. We are born with a fallen nature. Part of it is selfishness. Listen to this. The reason that God uses giving in our lives, he created it because the only thing that drives selfishness out of us is to give. There is no other way to get rid of selfishness. You can say I'm not selfish. The only proof of it is if you overcome it by giving. So God created giving in order to drive selfishness from us. That's good. Think about that. Is that yes or no? Is that not true? What what do we tell our children when they do it? Give it, let them play with it. Uh, Come on. Share. Well, that's only for kids. We're too mature for that. (laughs) He created giving because giving drives selfishness from amongst us. Look, I think when people teach the idea of the give to get, give to get, give to get. Um, here, here would be how I wrote it in my notes. I think what God is teaching us here is, is not give to get. He, he's teaching give to get rid of selfishness. And when pastors or financial teachers teach give to get, they're actually not getting rid of selfishness. They're teaching and bringing back in selfishness. Right. Think about that for a moment. I think that's excellent. We never, we never, I I know I'm teaching, but nonetheless, I think that's pretty, pretty excellent. (laughs) Here's how I wrote it getting isn't the motive for giving, it's the reward for giving with a right heart. You want me to say it again? So if you're taking notes, write this down. Getting isn't the reward for giving. Okay? It's, it's not the motivation. It's not the, the reason why. It's the reward that God gives us for doing things with the right heart. Is, there a, is it just semantics? It's a world of difference. One is from selfish heart, and the other one is just the byproduct of God's blessing in our lives. Really, this message is not about blessed finances. It's about a blessed life. So here is the first point, four ways to develop the heart of God. The first one is God wants us to always deal with a selfish heart. And we naturally have it. We're born with it. We all struggle with it. Don't sit there and think your pastor is talking down to you. When I say we all, I include myself in that. I deal with it too. We deal with it in multiple ways at multiple times. And what breaks, what breaks that curse is to be a giver. And I'm not just talking finances. You can give in time. When, when, when we don't want to give of ourselves and our time, the natural thing is, yeah, I, I need time for me. I'm tired. I'm worn out. You do it. How do you break that? Give. Give your time then. Give of yourself. Does that make sense? So you can apply it in any... It happens where God's... He's applying it specifically to finances right here, and I think that's the heart or the context of the message, but you can apply it in any ways of life. So number one, deal with a selfish heart. Number two, let me just give you this one right here. Uh, Deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Let's just go on a little further with this scripture. Pull it back up for me right here. Um, So um, you shall surely... Give to him. Remember, this is the poor brother amongst you, the one who has need, the one who needs. You shall surely give to him and your what? Why does he keep pointing back to the heart? And your heart should not be grieved grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you. Look at this part. In all your works and in all which you put your hand to. This message is not about the, the, the blessed wallet. It's about the blessed life. Because God's not just promising to do something in your finance. Here's what he says. I'll bless. Listen, some things are worth more than money. Right. Money's wonderful. It can do wonderful things. But having healthy children, if you had all the money in the world and no healthy children, what's your money worth? Yeah. Yes? No? Yeah. You know, it's funny. While I'm preaching, the thoughts that can enter into my, into my head. Like right now, one of my thoughts is I'm going to go out to eat afterwards and I have no money whatsoever in my pocket right now. Well, thank you, Gary. Wow, hundred. Thank you, Gary. Let's move on. Um, you guys want to talk about that for a second? It's an illustration. All right. So Gary got up and gave me that money. Uh, Gary, is your heart grieving right now? I hope it's not. I mean, you don't, you're not grieving giving me. Why aren't you grieving? Because that was my. I gave him that money before we started. <laughs> I hope you're not grieving right now. Let me count it. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. I gave you 120. No, no, I didn't. Uh, He's not grieving because he doesn't consider this to be his money. True? The only time we grieve when we give money is when we think it belongs to us. Yeah, so now let me just point this out to you. Think about this for a moment, right? If you're a believer, everything you have belongs to God everything you have. You are a steward of everything that God has given you. Everything you have God has put into your hand and what we tend to do is we forget who gave it to us and we begin to act like it all belongs to us so we grieve when we oh that hurt. I think there's actually like a nerve attached in a checkbook or a wallet so that when you write or give it just, I see people go oh that hurts what is that? It should never hurt. Now there's sacrificial in it You agree with that? There's times that God says to us, or or maybe, you know, I don't even think he says, I think he lets us see things, and then he lets us decide whether or not we want to jump into something. And it can be very sacrificial at that level. But the reason it didn't cause him any grieving is because he didn't see that as his money. And so he could give it very easily. It's only when we see it as ours that it becomes difficult. Let me, let, me, let me move to the third thing. So we talked about dealing on two of them. Let's, let's go to develop. To develop now. So the first two we dealt with. A selfish heart and a grieving heart. Three, let's develop a generous heart. God wants us to have a generous heart. So let's move on with the scripture. This goes down to verse 10 right here. And it reads this way. You shall surely give to him. Uh, no, we need. I'm sorry guys. Yeah, there we go, 14. You shall supply him generously. Notice the word here. Generously from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your winepress. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. So I mentioned a moment ago the idea of, of, of giving beyond just uh, a level of, you know, like just a tithe or something like that. Let me, let me tell you, Here's why I love this message. I'll confess two things to you. started this church 17 years ago, and I felt like churches so were out of balance when it came to finances, I played down the role of finances. I under If there was a needle, and here's the middle, and over here was give to get, and this was just all grace, I was probably way up here on this side of it. Not because I didn't want to teach on the issue, but I thought, gosh, when you're starting a church, you want to you reach people that don't know Christ, and that's such a stumbling stone. But l- let me say that if you don't teach everything the Bible has in it, what you'll have is unbalanced people. And to my weakness, I haven't taught about something that God gave to me 21 years ago. I, I think of all the things that I'll be known for when I'm done, and maybe right now, the people closest to me can tell you this is true. I think I'm known as a, a good husband and a good father, and I think I'm known as a good friend but I think if people said the one commonality, people will say he's the most generous person I ever met. Yes. Yep. People say that. I, that's something that, that, to me, is it's very personal. It's something that matters to me. Uh, it just it, it's a it's a, want to be known for being a generous person. It's important to me. So I, I try to live that life. 21 years ago, um, we actually I, I was a staff pastor, and we had a speaker come in, who who was it was sort of a revival thing that was going on. And he was talking about a need to, to reach the world and in their ministry. And I remember I, w- I was sitting on the front row. It was, it was a long, it had gone on for like three hours in the service. And I was tired and I wanted to go. I was sitting on the front row. My wife had given me a watch for my 30th birthday. And it was not, it was not a super fancy watch, but for us, it was, a, it, was a, it was a fancy watch. And she had just given it to me. And I was sitting on the front row and I heard the Lord say, Give that watch. And my first thought was, "I rebuke you, devil! I will not. I'm, I'm not taking this watch off for nothing." And the Lord just let me sit there and look at that watch, and back and forth, I heard what He was saying, and I—it was just so—it was so precious to me, is what it was, and it was the most valuable thing I had physically at the time. And I remember at the end, people had had begun to leave, and I got up and I would just—I went and I laid it on the altar. I'm sorry. And I, I turned around I walked away from it. I didn't care what they did with it at that point. It was not between me and them. It was between me and God. It was not two weeks later that the Lord called me to plant this church. And I remember when he, called, he told me at the time when he called me to plant it, he said, you can't tell anybody right now. He said, first, your pastor needs to know and you can't even tell him right now. I've got to prepare his heart, so you've got to keep your mouth shut. But the weirdest thing began to happen. Right from that time, yes or no, we had a guy who, who gave us a Suburban. He goes, "I." it was a brand new Suburban, out of the blue. And the guy just goes, the Lord told me to give you this. I don't know why you're supposed to have it, but you're supposed to have it. Well, we had to haul a trailer around for a new church that we were just getting ready to start. Yeah. Now, th- th- look... God did not tell me, if you give this, I will give back to you. Here's what God told me. Will you give this to me? Will you just between me? This isn't for anybody. I, I don't know if I've ever told this story more than once or twice. I don't think it's like, you know, teach this so that people hear gift. Because I, I hate that. But there's something when we, when we are generous with God. When we overcome the idea, I'm going to do this. I, I, so I'll, I'll do this, this. It was a $500 watch. If, if I do this $500, you'll give me $5,000 10 times, right? A hundred times? Fifty? No, I don't I think, that's a, I think that shows where the heart is at. I gave it not thinking anything was going to... Oh, oh, here's all that happened to me. I walked away free from a watch that had become the thing I couldn't give up, if that makes any sense. And since then, oh my goodness, I don't want to run out of time. Over the years, how many cars we've given away? How many, how many motorcycles... Have we, we given away? I'm just, how many things has God done that's just been so amazing, so awesome? And, and so, wow, well, pastor, then you're saying you did that and you're wealthy? Not, not even close. Here's what I do have. Five children who passionately love Jesus. Three spouses that they're married to who passionately love Jesus. I got little grandkids all over my life who love me i'm here to enjoy it and to the blessing of god is so much more than just in your pocketbook oh my goodness what how much would you pay to have all of your children love jesus with all of their hearts what would you pay you can't put a number on it can you so what where is it this word right here I don't know how to explain generously other than it's just this thing. I don't think God ever forces us, but I think he lets us see things at times. And He, asked, do you want to be? And, he, and we have a choice to step through a doorway. And here's what I know. I think that God challenges every person in a message like this, but I think that very few ever have the courage to step through the doorway. So let me come over here and say that one more time. I think that we hear messages and we feel the Holy Spirit challenge us But very few times does someone have the courage to actually step through the doorway and to do what God told them to do. And you're missing a whole life that God has for you. An entire life. Let me give you the last one. So the first two are to deal with. The third is to develop a generous heart. The last is to develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Let me give you the last scripture right here. It just finishes up our teaching from Deuteronomy. You shall remember. Look at at how God ends this. The one who's needy. Deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Develop a generous heart. And then he ends with this scripture. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And that the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing. What was the thing? To develop this heart, right? What does he end with? Remember where you came from. Remember what God has done for you. And here's here's where this message would come to. I think the reason that God gave me the idea of generosity, what makes it all doable, where the courage comes from to ever step into the things God shall, when you remember what God has done for you, And how good God has been to you. Then you're able to step in. And I will just say this right now. If you don't relate to the idea that God's been good to you. Then this whole concept of doing things like this is so foreign. Because the heart's not right. There's just no other way to say that. The heart is not developed like it's supposed to. All of us. If you were to say. Why? Why? why, What gives you authority? to? Why do you? How can you reach? Why can you do it? I just know I've never forgot what God has done for me. And generosity always comes from a place, yes or no, it always comes from a place of remembering where we came from, of gratitude. The right heart always comes from gratitude. When we lose gratitude, we lose our heart. Do you agree with that? So let me, let me move you back then to our opening scripture. If they can pull this back up. It goes all the way back to Luke chapter 6. If they can't, I'll, I'll pull it up in my Bible right here. You got it? Luke 6. So Jesus goes, do not judge. You will not be judged. Talking about the heart. Do not condemn. You will not be condemned. The heart. Forgive. Where do we forgive someone from, by the way? From our heart. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. And then give, and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down. Shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The scripture right before that, right before that in Luke 6, just reads this way. Love your enemy. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Then you will be sons of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked... Be merciful then, just as your Father is merciful. Who were the unkind and the wicked? We were. And you go, well, I'm not unkind and wicked. Not now, but you were. And what we're commanded is to never forget where we came from and what God has done for us, and that always keeps our heart in the right place. Yes or no? And when people forget that about God then this becomes such a difficult issue to even hear. It just bugs us. And these are not the type of things that should ever bug us. They should be the type of things that encourage us and ask us to get our heart in the right place. So, Father, we take a few minutes right now. We hear a message about preparing our hearts. We hear a message about dealing with and developing and Father, I know when we teach this across the board, I know at each campus right now, there are people who in their heart, the Holy Spirit speaks to them over these issues. Some of them right now, Father, feel convicted. Some of them feel very encouraged. Some of them right now feel challenged. Wherever you fall in the spectrum of that message, here's what you tell God. I open my heart to you. Make my heart right. Help me with this right now. I want to deal with with selfishness. I want to deal with grieving and seeing as everything that I have belonging to me. I want to develop right now. Hmm. I think what the Holy Spirit would say actually is that we need to be reminded of all that God's done for us. To take a moment and just remember where we came from. How generous God has been with us. How much He's forgiven us. How much He's given to us. How much He loves us. And when we come to God through that lens right there, through that heart, why anything becomes possible? Why does God want to do this in our heart? Because He wants to bless our lives. Everything that we put our hand to, the Bible says. All that we do. And if you struggle with that issue, if you struggle with just where's God's blessing, can I point you back to what's going on with the issue in your heart? Father, we open our hearts to you right now. We want to do business with you. We humble ourselves before you and we ask, God, move our hearts. Make them pliable and moldable in your hands. Father, let us see ourselves truly as your people. You call us to be like our Father and to give. God, open our lives to do all that you tell us to. We don't reserve anything from you. We thank you right now for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for helping us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.